some people preach for very selfish and evil reasons. Some people get involved with doing things that are God's will, but with the wrong motive, maybe to bring attention to themselves or for own personal gain. And so we need to have the intention of our heart right before God. There is such a thing as doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, and God will judge accordingly. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the judgment on Elam. No one likes dealing with the painful consequences of their wrongful actions, just like no one likes the concept of judgment. But just because people don't like these things does not mean that they don't exist and that they are not subject to them. And this is why we need the Lord in our lives and to follow Him and to be careful with how we live our lives because everything bears consequences. And one day, we will all give an account before a holy and perfect God. We need to do the Father's will if we want to escape His judgment. Today's message is inspired on Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 34-39. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Heavenly Father, as always, I ask you that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. I pray humbly, O Lord God, for your forgiveness, for your mercy and for your grace. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the forgiveness and salvation that we find through him. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand that you are God, that you are holy, and that we need to do as you tell us how to do things, that we need to lead a life that pleases you and that brings you honor and glory, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to do your will so that we can avoid your judgment. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 49, verses 34 to 39. This is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against Elam, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the foremost of their might. Against Elam I will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven and scatter them toward all those winds. There shall be no nations where the outcasts of Elam will not go. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies and before those who seek their life. I will bring disaster upon them. My fierce anger, says the Lord, and I will send the sword after them until I have consumed them. I will set my throne in Elam and will destroy from there the king and the princes, says the Lord. But it shall come to pass in the latter days. I will bring back the captives of Elam, says the Lord. Who was Elam in the Bible? The first place that the name Elam appears is in Genesis as one of the sons of Shem, son of Noah. Elam and his descendants inhabited and would later form an ancient civilization centered in the far west and southwest of modern-day Iran, stretching from the lowlands of what is now Khuzestan and Elam provinces, as well as a small part of southern Iraq. 
The capital of this civilization was Susa. Elam's history spanned more than 2,000 years. It was a rather strong kingdom that constantly invaded Babylonian-controlled lands. However, on about 645 BC, the country was invaded through several Assyrian campaigns, and it was ultimately ravaged by fire and sword. The little that was left was passed into the hands of the Persians. In summary, what God had spoken to the prophet Jeremiah concerning Elam came true just a few years after it was spoken. Why did God punish Elam? We should first start by saying that God used indirectly Elam to punish Israel for their sinfulness against the Lord. In other words, Elam executed God's will for punishing his people. But it was not a direct verbal command, if you will, from God to Elam. Elam had found their own evil reasons to invade Israel, but it was God's will for that to happen. So someone might say, why would God punish Elam for doing something that was apparently his will? And the answer again is that they may have done God's will, but their intentions were not good. There was no message from God saying, thou shalt attack Israel or anything like that. They accomplished God's will, but their reason or their intent was for evil. There is a big difference between doing God's will intentionally and doing his will by accident or unintentionally. And of course, as we said before, they were judged. God's punishment did come upon them exactly as God said through Jeremiah. So what are the things we can glean from this? The first thing is that we should not wrong anyone, not even if they have it coming or if we think they deserve it. We're not here to judge and or condemn anyone. And least of all, do wrong to anyone. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. And if we go even further, the Lord Jesus Christ said that we should love our enemies. So not only are we to do good to all, but we're even supposed to learn how to love our enemies, those people that do not like us. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so as followers of God, we should do good to all and even to those that have wronged us. We are ultimately encouraged to treat others as we want to be treated. This so-called golden rule was not invented by man, but rather expressed by the Lord himself as it is written in Luke chapter 6, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. It cannot get any clearer than that. I don't think anyone likes being wronged in any kind of way, so we should not wrong anyone. The second thing we can glean from this passage is that although Elam was used by God to execute judgment, their intent was not to do God's will. They did it accidentally, if you will, but their hearts were far away from God 
And we need to underline something here. What God is mostly concerned about is the intent of our heart. God is interested in us doing his will, but for the right reasons. But if we do his will for the wrong reasons, those actions will not count in our favor. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. What does this passage mean? God looks at the heart of people. He looks at the reason for why we do things. We cannot have evil or selfish intentions in our heart. Our reasons and intentions for doing things must always be based on the right reason. We simply cannot deceive God. He knows everything, even what is very deep within us, inside of us. There is another passage that drives this point quite clearly. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It is completely God's will for us to prophesy or speak on his behalf, like sharing his word with others. It is God's desire for demons to be cast out and for there to be physical manifestations of his power. So how can someone be seen as a practitioner of lawlessness or ultimately a sinner for doing those things? Because they may be doing God's will, but for all the wrong reasons. Some people preach for very selfish and evil reasons. Some people get involved with doing things that are God's will, but with the wrong motive, maybe to bring attention to themselves or for own personal gain. And so we need to have the intention of our heart right before God. There is such a thing as doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, and God will judge accordingly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the so-called love chapter in the Bible that is misunderstood by many, says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So you see, a person could speak other languages and even divine language and not have love in their heart. A person can come to prophesy or preach, attempting to speak on God's behalf to others, but not have love in their heart. They can even have faith that can move mountains, but also not have love. They can give to the poor and even sacrifice their bodies. But if there is no love, if the intent is not correct, it will not count for anything for them. Now, what is this love that the Apostle Paul is talking about here? Is he talking about the so-called butterflies or feelings that some people think love is? No. The love that he's talking about here is the love for God we should have. Everything we do, the reason for why we do all the things here and now should only have one reason and one reason alone, and that is because we have come to love the Lord. The first and greatest commandment is always at the center of everything. It should be the foundation for our life. The Lord Jesus Christ reiterated this first and great commandment and followed up with what should happen as a result. This is what we read in Mark chapter 12, where it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked them, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This should be the foundation for everything in our lives. We need to do everything in our lives as a result of our love for the Lord, even if we are to do good to other people. Our love for the Lord should be the reason for why we do good to others. We should not even do good to others for their own sake. That is why our actions towards other people are really independent of whether they have done good or bad to us, because we are to do everything like unto the Lord. As it is written in Ephesians, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. So you see, when our focus is the Lord, when we see that we are serving the Lord in everything, then it really doesn't matter what people do or don't do to us. This is where true faith takes effect. When we see who the Lord is and that we look to do all things for him, knowing that he is watching what we are doing and that he will reward us accordingly. This is how we can align our action and our intention correctly by doing the right things for the right reasons. Because of our love for the Lord, is God interested in us doing that which is good before him? Of course, but we need to have the right reason within our heart. And so, is it easy to do what is right and for the right reasons? Yes and no. We'll look at the no for a moment. It's hard because this goes against our very nature. Our nature obligates us to only concentrate on the physical here and now world, which is the challenge that we will all have until the day we die. It is hard to look beyond, to look to the future, and of course to consider someone, God, who we cannot see physically. We can see his works and we depend on his works all of the time and for our own survival. But our senses have a tendency to take over and just have us focus on things here and now because we cannot see him. That's the struggle. And I think you can all agree with this. But however, this is the focus we should have. The yes that should make it easier to do what is right for the right reasons. And here is where we need to consider many things. If you come to think about it, there are more than overwhelming reasons for why it should be easy. Although we cannot see God, we can see his work all of the time, at every moment, such that our very lives depend on his presence and action. You and I live and breathe at this very moment because of God say so. The other thing is considering what God has done for us that goes beyond our existence, like sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that he can give us eternal life. We need to realize that there is something beyond this world and that we all have a soul that needs to be saved. If you feel a void down deep in your heart, a thirst, if you will, that you cannot quench no matter what you do, that means that something is missing in your life and that you need God's presence within you. The creation is incomplete without its creator. We all have a God hole or void down deep inside of us and only the Lord can fill that. And through the sacrifice of his son, he makes it possible to fill that void with his Holy Spirit. When we repent from all of our sins and convert with all of our hearts to him and surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance from sins allows us to hit the reset button, if you will, in our lives. And through this, having God come into our hearts, we can gain divine indwelling and guidance. And of course, we now have his word, his complete counsel to mankind through the Holy Bible. 
And so these are all the basic things we gain through the Lord. We've been made and created by him. We survive and live here. And now because of him, we have the opportunity to be complete through him. We gain eternal life through him and eternal purpose and reward. In summary, we receive both here and now and eternity through the Lord. And so we owe him everything. And we have access to everything that matters if we put our faith and trust in him. I tell you that these things should completely dwarf anything else and it should make it easier to overcome the other obstacles and challenges we could ever face here and now. If we focus on the Lord and on everything he has done for us, we should be able to avoid such a judgment that was executed on Elam where we started today. Elam was clearly not focused on the Lord. There was no intent to love God nor to do his will and they wronged Israel for all of the wrong reasons. Israel had not done anything wrong to Elam. Israel offended the Lord with their actions, but they did no wrong to Elam. Elam attacked them wrongfully, and of course, with bad intentions. It is very possible for us to make mistakes or sin all of the time, and we can wrong people that have not done any wrong to us. We can find ourselves in those positions if we are not careful. But when we are focused on the Lord, and our intentions for him are true, despite our sinful nature that is still within us, we can minimize those wrongful actions. And also, through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we can realize when we do wrong and turn back from it, or at the very least, repair the harm done after. God cares about what we do here and now, and he certainly cares about how we treat our fellow man. We're not supposed to wrong anyone. And we're not supposed to go through this life without any consideration for those around us. We need to keep in mind that God can and will hold us accountable for what we do here and now. And he can either make us deal with our wrongs now or worse, if we don't repent, if we don't change, if we just continue living a sinful lifestyle, he will certainly hold people accountable in the judgment. I would urge you to get your heart right with the Lord so that you are able to do the right things for the right reasons, and avoid God's judgment on your life, both here and now, and in the coming not-so-distant future, considering that you never know when it's going to be your time to give an account before a holy and righteous God. God's judgments are not easy to deal with, and we are all subject to them depending on what we do. You see, everything has a consequence. And depending on what is being done, there could be good consequences or bad consequences. What I've noticed is that God most of the time is working on our behalf so that we do not receive all of the bad consequences for our actions, starting with what he did through his son on the cross. We all deserve to die eternally for our sins, whether they're a lot or a little, whether we consider them small or great. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it is also written, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the measure of God's grace and love towards us. And if we observe everything that happens to us and around us quite objectively, we would realize that we don't always receive the just consequences for our actions. And that is what makes many people either take God's mercy for granted, or makes them assume that they got away with things, or that they are not really doing anything wrong. Just because you don't get zapped by a volt of lightning per se, every time you do something wrong doesn't mean that you have not sinned or that you got away with it. 
That is a sign of God's mercy and grace working in your favor. But if a person continues walking down a path of sinning against people around them themselves, and of course, both involving sinning against God himself, if there are no visible consequences here and now, there will be quite tangible, real and eternal consequences in the not so distant future. We need to always remember that we will reap what we sow sooner or later, especially if we wrong people and God for that matter. And so we need the Lord's help so we can stop doing what is wrong. We need his forgiveness, but his forgiveness and change in your life will never happen unless there is complete repentance from all sins. This goes beyond saying that you're sorry. There must be a complete turning away from sin with all of the heart. There must be a complete conversion towards God. If a person continues justifying their sin, either in one way or another, there is no divine forgiveness. And without this divine forgiveness, there is no escaping the consequences involved with sin. There is no escaping God's judgment. God's forgiveness is only made possible through complete and wholehearted repentance and conversion from all sin and by making Jesus Christ the effective and literal Lord of your life. He must be guiding you. You must take your lead, your direction, your advice from Him. Your every decision must be based on His person, on contemplating what is right and acceptable to Him. And we learn how to do His will by following His word through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. All things can change in our lives and complete avoidance of God's judgment can be made possible by surrendering our lives to the Lord and looking to do the Father's will. The opportunity to do away with all divine judgment is within your grasp through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, blessed be your name, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that your will, your desire is not to bring judgment upon us, but you want for all of us to turn away from the wrongs that we have done, to repent from them, to ask you to forgive us, Lord God, and to seek salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you because your desire is not to punish, but rather, Lord God, to give eternal life and eternal reward. But help us to understand that we need to let go of sin. We need to repent and turn away from it. We need to stop justifying the wrongs that we do. And we need to seek you with all of our hearts. We need to stop doing what is wrong to other people. And we need to start doing that which pleases you, Lord God. And we need to do it for the right reasons. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have a complete heart turned to you, submitted to you, surrendered to you, so that we could do your will. Heavenly Father, help every person that is listening right now understand that they need to follow the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to submit to him completely, if they want to find favor before you. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.